Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. I want to welcome you to our special series of Money Sense, specifically dedicated to providing valuable information regarding the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. For nearly 30 years, I have been helping listeners learn how to relate many of life's situations to their finances. This pandemic has caused wide-scale disruption in nearly every sector of our lives. No matter your personal situation, we strive to meet you where you are at, both financially and emotionally. Our guests during this series include a futurist, economist, physician, psychologist, as well as local Milwaukee business professionals to get their perspective on how you can apply their insight and expertise to your financial future. This important series will be aired on WISN AM 1130 during our regular Money Sense times, which are Saturdays at 2 o'clock p.m. and Sundays at noon. They will also be available on demand at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. We hope you will find these informative and be sure to share them with your family and your friends. I would like to take the opportunity to introduce my guest today, Forrest Richter. And as we were talking earlier before the show started, I said, well, Forrest, how should I introduce you? And he said, well, I'm a serial entrepreneur. And I said, you're one of my people. <laughs> so Forrest, welcome to the show. Karen, thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. And I know that you're invested in our community wholeheartedly and that you have been working on many different arenas within our community. But I think before we go into all the projects and all of the expertise you have, kind of define for my listeners um, what a serial entrepreneur means to you. Yeah, that's a good question. I would say it means that I get bored easily and like to try new things, but it also creates a lot of interesting opportunities for me to work in a lot of different spaces. I started a consulting firm about this time last year, and it's been able to become a full-time job for me, which has been great. I've been in startup operations before that, running operations at some of the startups here in Milwaukee, um, most notably Bright Sellers and Well-Dressed Men, which is moralcode.com. I started my own startup, uncrowd.io, which is a a place that's trying to bridge the diversity gap within venture capital, trying to connect investors with underrepresented founders. And then I'm also a partner, an equity partner in a few other startups nationally that are at various stages. And I happen to also be very passionate about COVID-19 and the disproportionate impact we're seeing there. Can you go into that a little bit? Because that was one of the things that really excited me to have you come on and, and be a guest because I'm feeling that I live right downtown Milwaukee and I love the North side. I was raised on the North side and I'm so afraid that so many of our businesses are going to close down and the impact on our community is going to be devastating. And I know that there's a lot of fear out there. And what I'm hoping is, is that we can alleviate some of that fear and put out there some solutions or at least help people to understand um, simply what's going on. Yeah. Well, I think probably a good starting point would be just to at least acknowledge that there are a lot of people making very positive impacts in the community since COVID-19 has launched. Um, there's a ton of different initiatives and I'm happy to go into more detail on them if it's of interest. 
What we've really seen has been a disproportionate impact of COVID-19 in our most vulnerable communities. With Milwaukee in particular, it's no secret that we're one of the most segregated cities in the country. And that segregation line tends to follow a wealth inequality as well. There is a, a public dashboard put on by the city of Milwaukee that shows kind of the incidence of COVID-19. And you can overlay demographic maps, you can overlay wealth maps on top of it, and it's almost a perfect match for low income and um, people of color are also seeing greater impacts um, from COVID-19. And the, the reasons for this are, are kind of obvious when you think about them. If you are lower income, you have less opportunity to shelter in place. So the ability to quarantine, that's a privilege. That's something that we kind of take for granted. Not everyone has that ability. If you are an essential worker or just a worker who needs to work in order to pay the bills, that needs to go to work and you don't have access to a car, that means you're going to go on public transportation. A lot of times it means housing situations are going to have more people in them. There's going to be more and more occupants. And so what ends up happening is there's just more opportunity for the, the virus to accumulate and, and spread in a, in a faster way and in a way that frankly ends up being more devastating. When you talk about public transportation, what are some of the other limitations and things that make it difficult that we don't even think about? I mean, I don't think about public transportation because I have a car yep. and, and it's so easy for me to buy, you know, sidetrack away from that. But, you know, that is one of the things, of course, that is probably very difficult, as well as people, more people living in one house that have to go in and out all the time. Yeah, the, the one that I'm particularly worried about and concerned about long term is access to internet and access to devices. For a segment of the population, that means that they, those things are required to work from home. And if you don't have those, that's difficult. But I really think about children right now. And there is a big gap between access and availability to education. So there are kids in our community right now who are at home without internet or without proper devices in order to maintain their education because schools are closed. That is really a scary thought. I was talking to someone the other day who brought up a scenario that I hadn't even thought about in terms of children going back to school. But children are these cuddly little kids. And when they get around their friends, they're touching each other and they're hugging and they're sharing food. And this is just a natural aspect of being in kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And so you've got that as well on the table is how do we integrate these children back into school and what, what will that look like? Yeah, I think that that is, I mean, that's the big question for everybody right now, but particularly with kids, I think it's difficult to explain what's happening and why it's happening. I can tell you, I, I don't have a school age kid. I have a two-year-old daughter who is likely to run into our room anytime while we're talking, but um, she, she doesn't understand why she can't see grandma and grandpa. That, that's the thing that she doesn't understand. And I think you're right. Kids want to interact. They want to go play. They want to run around. And it's, and it's even hard for us as adults to say don't, right? now. Can you give us a little bit more insight into what's going on in Milwaukee and some of the things that you might encourage our listeners to, um, to either do or to be motivated by? And it's this whole idea of recreation. Yeah, there is uh, a couple groups that I think are doing very positive things. Code for Milwaukee is a, is a nonprofit that is mostly tech people, uh, computer developers that have been putting out a bunch of interesting 
projects and content around COVID-19 to try to support. Um, they've been working closely with uh, Milky Way Tech Hub uh, initiative, which is put on by Nadia Johnson. And she is leading an organization that's trying to kind of make Milwaukee the most diverse tech ecosystem in the country. And so she's working hard with them on that. Coming out of that is a, a website, maskupmke.org, that's trying to get masks into hands of people that need them. They're taking orders actively right now. They're free. They they're just want people to be able to have access to masks. I saw another initiative yesterday that I'm not affiliated with, but put on by the Greater Milwaukee Foundation, where they're trying to put together some support packages that keep money flowing to local vendors and allow some people to just get gifts and receive gifts while also keeping the economy moving forward. So there is some, some good stuff happening. I know that we started to see an increase in testing. So I know that there is more access to testing available right now, which has been a, a, a big factor for why we haven't seen the kind of the, the re-entry that we were hoping we would at this point. What are some of the things, well, maybe what we'll do is we'll take a break right now. And when we come back as a consultant working with businesses, can you give us some insight into how you might advise some of these companies or some of the, the um, entrepreneurs out there just like you who have started their own businesses? And it's a known fact that the smaller companies, the mom and pop stores are the ones in an economy like this with a pandemic that really keep us going and keep us moving. It's not really the great big companies out there. It's these smaller companies, which really are the foothold of Milwaukee and have always been. So with that, we'll take a break and we'll be back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, Senior Wealth Advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group, as well as the founder. My guest today is Forrest Richter. And if you would like to connect up with Forrest, you can do it at Forrest at FreshCoastLabs.com. And I will give you out his phone number, 262-661-3992. Forrest is um, an entrepreneur in the city of Milwaukee. He's very um, interested in a lot of the things that are going on in Milwaukee, and he'll explain a little bit more of that. And I think, Forrest, one of the things that I know as we talk to our clients and we're talking to them about their finances, you know, one of the one of the questions always is, well, what should I do next or what should I be thinking? And I'm wondering, as you're talking to your clients, um, how are you guiding them as to what to do next? Kind of with that unknown of what's not we really don't know what's around the corner. These are the things I tell my clients. I tell them to be nimble. I tell them to think about their products. I try to tell them to think about their go-to-market strategy and be mindful of whether or not it's going to work or whether or not it's going to work right away. And, and understanding that all of us are going to be re-entering the world with a completely different set of stressors and a completely different set of needs than, we, than, we, than when we started sheltering in place. And and you need to be able to actually lean into that in a way, or you're going to get left behind. This is a new economy coming out of this. And, and I encourage business owners to reevaluate all of their offerings and make sure they make sense. Do you have any specific questions that you ask yourselves that can lead them down that path that you encourage them to ask? Um, I know that there's always, what's the value of what you're doing? Um, who's it for? Are, those, are there questions like that that you can identify? I, I usually focus on uh, my, my expertise is in innovation and culture. And so a lot of my questions tend to be self-reflective. 
What are you stressed out about? What are you worried about? What are you worried about with your team? What are you worried about with your customer? And do you feel like what you have right now is going to be a smart offering? Is, is the way that you're planning to reopen your business a way that's going to feel safe and supportive for your employees? Are these things that you need to, is the way that you used to do things before going to be sustainable? You know, Forrest, I think about restaurants, which is one of my most wonderful, fun things to do in Milwaukee is to walk to a restaurant. They're going to be so different. I mean, how they're going to be able to open. What I love about so many of them is they're small, they're family owned, they're quaint. Um, they've been carved out of houses and made into restaurants. They're going to have to reinvent themselves to some degree. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. And I think a part of it, and it's not just on restaurants, frankly, it's on all of us for how we deal with restaurants. The, I, I don't think I know anyone in my life who I would consider a bad actor. I just think so many people have different impressions of what it means to be safe right now. And, and I'm not sure when we'll all be comfortable or when we'll find an equilibrium there. But I think if you're a, a business like a restaurant that is predicated on having clients or customers walk in the door, it's going to be tough to figure out how to accommodate everyone and make everyone feel safe and make everyone feel welcome. Well, I don't know about you, but when I walk into a restaurant and it's empty or very few people in there, I go, "Wow, why aren't there any people here? I love to have a full house when I go into a restaurant. And so even our own, you're right, our thinking about when we go into and how we make a judgment or how we um, interpret something is even going to be different. It's going to be I think it's going to be culture shock for a lot of us, myself included. I, I went in, did carry out. Honestly, it was the first time I've done carry out since the safer at home initiatives been put in place. And I was really surprised how uncomfortable I was with the process. I, I didn't think I would be that worried about it. And there was four or five Eat Street drivers there picking up orders. And I just felt like we were closer than I expected to be. And, and, and I don't know, I, I've, I've heard a lot of anecdotal stories that, that mirror that, where it just feels different when we're out and about right now. Yes. One of the things that you and I had talked about um, earlier, and you had given me some information, is that you are the co-founder of Uncrowd and that you build platforms that efficiently connect underrepresented founders and investors. And you had mentioned that currently less than 10% of venture capital goes to women, people of color, LGBT and founders combined. And that's something that you really are committed to change and to bring awareness to. And so I'm thinking, let's take a break. And so that when we come back, we can really delve into some of the efforts that you're looking at. And if there's someone out there today and you know, whenever these types of things happen, I think it really spurs creativity and ingenuity and new businesses. And so if there is somebody out there that's thinking that, wow, I could do that a little bit differently now under the circumstances of COVID, how do they begin and where do they start? And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Forrest Richter, and he is of many things. One of the things, he's a co-founder of Uncrowd, which is a platform that um, efficiently connects underrepresented founders and investors. And I'm wondering, Forrest, if you could talk a little bit more in depth about the underserved community and how they may want to approach a new idea and how they would go about doing that. 
Yeah, so venture capital is kind of a, a crazy space if you're unfamiliar with it. And the and it, it's investors taking big swings and making some misses and hoping to have some hits in the process. And the way that it's kind of shaken out has ended up creating a fairly wide gap between um, in, in diversity. So right now, 70% of all venture capital is in just four cities in the country. It's in Silicon Valley, San Francisco, New York, Boston, and LA. And I think you mentioned earlier, women, people of color, LGBT plus founders represent just um, combined for less than 10% of that capital. Um, there's some pretty shocking demographic statistics. Women get less than 4% of capital, despite having statistically better returns than their male counterparts. A new data point just came out that women of color receive 0.0006% of capital, which nominally is nothing. And, and so there's a ton of opportunity in this space for both social impact, but also economic impact. Um, I view it as a, frankly, a missed opportunity for investors to, to find founders that have been otherwise overlooked. And that's really the thesis behind uncrowd.io and why we built this, built this platform. And so how does someone access that and what define that um, that criteria a little bit so that if somebody's listening to this, they say, oh, that's me. Yeah. So we the site's live right now. You we we launched it, we pushed it live in February. It's uncrowd uncrowd dot io. And you can go there today and sign up. We are targeting underrepresented founders. So we are talking people of color, women, LGBT founders. We do extend that to geography. Um, we're trying to get more capital into the Midwest because so much of it is coastal right now. So if you are a startup founder and you're in Milwaukee, you qualify. We, we'd love to have you on the platform. And what do they need to do to qualify? Do they um, have, to have a business plan? Do they just have to have an idea? Yeah, so we, we don't do a ton of vetting uh, aside from we do want to make sure that our investors also have a good experience and they don't have to slog through a bunch of people who are kind of not serious about their intentions. So we, uh, the, the gateway that we put in place is you need to have an EIN number. You need to have gone as far as incorporating your business. Um, we believe that's shown enough effort um, to take your idea into market. So they also could use some of the other resources in Milwaukee, such as BizStarts, which is an organization that helps you to um, put in place your idea, as well as Wibbeck. Yeah. Is yeah, another place where they can go and get classes right online right now that will help them write a business plan and get that EIN number and all of that. In addition to Wibbeck and BizStarts, which you mentioned, we have some other fantastic groups here in Milwaukee that are supportive of startup founders. We have uh, Doyen Group, uh, originally out of Madison, recently launched here in Milwaukee. They focus on female founders. On the more kind of tech side, we have The Commons, which focuses on university students. They helped lead uh, a group with WePivot, um, which was called 4M, which was an idea incubator. I don't know where what the plan is for that going forward, but that's a really, really good place to check. I would check out 4M if you're thinking about starting a business. Beyond that, we have... Uh, the Wisconsin Economic Development Corps, which is phenomenal for, for supporting startups across the entire state. So I'm going to give out your number, Forrest, and it is 262-661-3992. And Forrest is actually located right in Bayview, Wisconsin. And if somebody picks up the phone and calls you, Forrest, what, what would they expect? What would you be there to help them with? And how could you help them to 
either do a startup or re-engineer where they currently are, which I think a lot of people are going to need help to think outside of the box. So many of us as entrepreneurs, we have an idea and you know, it's our baby. We don't want anybody to change our, our baby, but I had, I had to say something. What did I say earlier today, Wendy? And they said to me, well, if you give your baby up for adoption, you can't tell them how to, how to, how to dress the doll and what to do. And I think a lot of us, we wear all the hats, um, trying to reinvent ourselves can be really difficult because we're so tied to our original idea. Yeah. What I usually start with, with every client, again, it really doesn't matter the size of the client. I start with goals. What, what are you trying to achieve? And then kind of work backwards from there because I'm always, I have my own instincts. I think this is, mirrors your point right there. I have my own instincts on what we should do, but a lot of times it honestly doesn't align with what my clients want to achieve. I have a client I love who had making money as her fourth goal. She wanted something that she could do remotely. She wanted something that she could do independently. She wanted something that she could do that would satisfy her creatively. And then making money was number four. So that's really hard for me because I usually am thinking about generating revenue and generating profit, but I, I need to lean into those goals. So if somebody calls me, that's, that's going to be the conversation we're going to have. What are you hoping to achieve? And then I'm going to see if I can help you get there. And why are you doing it? I, I, I can't help myself. I love it. I, <laughs> I, I wish I could sometimes. I think my wife certainly wishes I would settle down and just do something more normal. Um, but it, I, I get energized by people who I get energized by entrepreneurs. I love having conversations like the conversation we're having right now. I, I love grabbing coffee with people when, when we're, we're allowed to do that. Now it's over Zoom. But I love just chatting about ideas and, and helping people kind of realize that Doing that thing that feels far away is not as hard as it seems. It's, that first step is always the hardest, and then everything starts to fall into place. Forrest, what about the people that are listening to us today, and they're thinking, I don't, I, I'm done. I, I'm going to close my doors. I went through 2008. I went through the towers in New York, and now here we are in the pandemic. Is it a failure? How do, you, how do you help people deal with the fact that they may either have to um, close their doors or they may choose to close their doors? I love this question because it, it comes up a lot. It's one of the reasons that a lot of people, frankly, don't start stuff either is because of that fear of failure or that sense of failure. I have a saying I like to remind myself of, which is there's only success in education. Failure is just another way to become, is another piece of education. Um, frankly, it's actually one of the things that I think kind of holds us back as a startup ecosystem here in Milwaukee is we're just a fairly risk averse community and we don't like failure. And so we don't do a great job, frankly, persevering through that. It's one of the things that I think Silicon Valley has really gotten right is they wear their failures like a badge of honor. They're, they're happy to talk about the thing that they started and then it failed and what they learned from that. And they started another thing. Uh, an investor, uh, a, a venture capital investor in, in San Francisco will tell you they get nervous investing in a first-time founder. They like investing in people that have failed a couple times because it's taught them things. They know they've gone through process. And so if, if things are not working right now and if things look really bleak for you, I would say don't give up. Just recognize that this might be the education that's going to make the next thing even better. So many people are tied to that fear and because of shame, because we're in the Midwest here and in Milwaukee, particularly, I think we're um, old, you know, it's these old attitudes about failure. And so I think that's really important to emphasize that 
this could be the next step that you needed or the first step or the second step that you needed to make the next project work and don't give up, continue to move forward. I joke that in Milwaukee, we wear this scarlet letter F for failure when we fail because there just seems to be this, this kind of cloud that hangs over us. And we need to get rid of that. We need to recognize that all these people around us that have hypothetically failed are also the most experienced. And we actually need those people to keep trying new stuff because we need mentors. We need people that can guide us and say, hey, I went through that thing. I failed three times and now I'm doing this thing and it's working. We need those examples. And, and it does come from, I, I agree with you, it comes from a cultural, a long cultural tradition of strong blue collar mechanical work of like, we are hardworking people and you work hard and you succeed and taking risks is scary. It, it just is, but we need people to do it if we wanna grow. When I am thinking of myself and, and my own company and some of the issues that we have faced because we've been able to be open is now we've got employees that have been working at home. Schools are changing and they're even talking about not even having school start in October. So we have a lot of families that have young children where one spouse is working and they were two families working, but now there's no way of doing daycare and camps are closed. And so it's going to change how we do business. But one of the things that we made a decision very early on and have always tried to be is to be very transparent and to, you know, have really good communication with our employees. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of your employees, the importance of communication, the importance of looking, you know, looking at things differently. It may be that we are going to be having employees working at home for a very long time, or maybe forever. I don't know. That's, that's sort of a hurdle for us right now, ourselves. Yeah, I think that's culturally, I think transparency is only a benefit to everyone involved. And I certainly think being flexible as a leadership group is important as well. Uh, taking your organization as an example, you might have a valued employee that just is having a harder time dealing with this, um, whether that's emotionally or physically than, than other people are. And, and our leaders need to be prepared to accommodate that. Maybe it's not the whole staff is working from home, but maybe this person is because they just need more time and they can't find childcare. I think a lot of kind of the entrenched values, the entrenched operational pieces that we have done forever, our, our leaders are going to have to be open to trying new things. And I think the other thing for us that's important is be curious, ask questions, don't make decisions when you're not incorporating your, your employees or a team of employees to actually know what they're thinking. I think sometimes we, we think we know, but we don't know. So I think curiosity plays a big part in making sure that things run smooth and that you're, you're accommodating or at least listening to some of the concerns that your employees or your vendors or your um, clients may have. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate you saying that. You sound like someone I would want to work for. That would be nice. Um, <laughs> well, I, I have to say, and Wendy, what we just were awarded um, one of the top 75 companies in the financial arena for advisors to work for in the country. Oh, congratulations. So thank you very much. That's been, that's something that I think I am very proud of, but I think it just makes that statement that all of us want to be that. Yeah, I think the, the one thing that I hope all leaders take into account is the mental health of employees as well. 
this is truly an unprecedented event. There's no correct path for how we're all going to come out of this. And mental health is often neglected because it's just not as visible. So I hope that through that curiosity, it creates an open space and open conversations to allow people to really say how they're dealing with it and how they're handling things. I always like to think that we want to be inclusive and not exclusive. Inclusivity is, it's vital. We, we, and, and you need to be intentional about it. You, we need to tell people that I am going out of my way to make sure you feel included. That is, that's a really important piece to the diversity inclusive, inclusivity um, efforts in general it is it won't happen accidentally. Let's take a quick break and then let's talk a little bit about some of the things that I think are inherent in um, entrepreneurs and that's giving back to the community and, and, and giving back in general to your employees. There's many ways of giving back and then just try to reframe what we've all been talking about for these last three segments. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I am the founder and the senior and a senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Forrest Richter, and he is located right here in Bayview, Wisconsin. And you can reach him through Forrest at freshcoastlabs.com. He is very active in our community. And one of the things that we have been talking about, of course, is the impact that COVID-19 has had on us. And I'm really trying to come up with some ideas that anybody that is looking at starting a business or currently has a business can really take away from this talk today and feel that they have the, that feel empowered to actually do something. So Forrest, if you can give us some insight into that, that would be great. Yeah, I think the, the one thing that we all sort of have right now is an opportunity to exhale and a little time to think about where we wanna put our energy. If you've been thinking about that side hustle or that dream job, now's the perfect time to dive into it. Uh, this is, there's obviously a lot of turmoil in the world around us, but we are safe at home. And, and I can tell you this is personally, I've been able to get way more interesting meetings now than I've ever in my entire life. I've been able to reach out to people pretty cold. And because we're all in the same situation, we have kind of this level playing ground to talk about what's going on. And I've been able to talk to people that I, frankly, I did not think would take my meeting uh, a couple months ago. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. What about um, some of the things in the city that where people are collaborating, where um, individuals can maybe have a place to go to, to talk to people? I, I'm working on probably three to four different things right now that I am, I, I don't have any actual tangible stake in. I just like working with people and like helping people and getting stuff off the ground. Like I would really recommend checking out the Milwaukee Tech Hub Coalition. Um, the Milwaukee Tech Hub Coalition is an organization that's basically predicated on adding to tech jobs in the city. Recently named a CEO, Kathy Henrich, and she's phenomenal. She, she is the real deal. She's showing up. I, see, I keep running into her at events that I, I would think would be beneath her, and she's intentionally trying to be out among people working on stuff. She, she, she's really great. Another one would be the, the blueprint put together by Khalif and QL Amin. It is a incubator accelerator. I believe they're giving out $100,000 in the next couple weeks to um, underrepresented founders. So particularly for if you are in the, on the north side, if you are in a uh, marginalized community and you are looking for an opportunity to start your business, they're a great organization. I'm, I'm helping them with some mentorship there. 
What about the individual who is listening to you and is wondering how they can take the temperature, whether or not they should keep their doors open or close their doors or maybe even try something new. But that's a hard thing for a business owner is to know when done is done, when to fold the deck. It is hard. And it's oftentimes equal parts emotional as it is pragmatic. I, I think all of us, myself included as a business owner, you've, you've built a baby, you've built something and it's hard to let it go. I, I would encourage everyone to take a look, let the numbers do the talking. You're going to have to look at your data. You're going to have to be honest with yourself about, is this trend going to continue or do you see an uptick? Do you see an opportunity to come out of this and how quickly can you come out of it? Or are you actually doing yourself a disservice by keeping things running longer? Um, I, I would love to see businesses pivot right now and say like, Hey, this one area is working well and we're going to lean into it. Or this thing that we hadn't done before seems like it's in our wheelhouse to do. And I think there's a market for it. I'd love to see that level of excitement and energy. And I, I think another one that I had heard just recently asking yourself, am I solving a problem? Is there a need for what I have? And once people have looked at that. Can you identify some of the common challenges that young entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs basically are faced with? I think, well, depending on what stage you're in, I see it more on stage more than necessarily the age of the entrepreneur. But I think in the ideation stage, the thing I see over and over again is really what you touched on there, which is like, is there actually, is this a problem worth solving? Uh, is there a need for your product? Is there a need for your service? I know you like it and I know you would use it. I know your friends and family would use it. There's a great book called The Mom Test, which helps for market validation that I would encourage you to check out. So that's, that's probably the thing I see there. As you move a little bit further down the pipe in terms of growth, I see a lot of hangups at kind of first customer. So you've built something, you had a lot of energy behind it. Now you actually need to go hit the pavement and sell it to somebody and sell it at market rate that all of a sudden becomes another big hurdle. Um, it, do you have a, a marketing plan that includes some level of business development that is going to drive new sales and drive new users? And, and if you don't have those things, those are the kind of the boring background stuff, but those are the things that make businesses work. I also think that entrepreneurs have a tendency of being very visual and big, big picture. I know certainly that is me. And every now and then my daughter has to reach up like a balloon and pull me down and say, mom, <laughs> you got to focus on one thing. I think often entrepreneurs have many, many ideas and they don't often focus on one and get one going. And often they can move too fast and the people around them, even though they know the idea is great, they can't keep up with them. Yeah, you're talking to someone that maybe has that same problem. So <laughs> I, I will tell you, I've gotten better about accepting that and putting smart people around me to help keep me grounded, um, hiring the right people that kind of fill those detail, that detail-oriented side that can keep a project moving, that are good on the execution side, so I can lean a little more into the high-level strategy and help in that way. I also think that entrepreneurs often wear all the hats too long. They don't know when to take a hat off. Yeah, that is, well, I, when I talk about, you know, when startups get stuck, I, I tend to talk about two plateaus. The first one is literally just getting off the ground. Most startups don't make it and that's okay. That is the reality. But the second plateau is when you have to trans, uh, transition from a founder to a CEO. 
And when you have to take some of those hats off and hand them off and delegate things, and all of a sudden your baby is less your baby, it's a bunch of people's baby. And, and that is a really tough time. And I see a lot of startups get stuck or not function at all at that point. I, I also have, I know myself been taught that we should have a long range plan. And I'm thinking now with this pandemic, it's almost better off to have a short range. Maybe you're really looking at what's gonna happen the next month or two months, the next 90 days, the next 180 days or two years. Everything is changing so fast. I don't know if that same philosophy holds true. Great question. It's something that I don't have the answer to. It's something I'm talking, clients have been asking me about, and I don't know the answer yet. I'm curious how volatile the market's going to be once we are back at work. I don't know how often, like, I don't even know how valid data will be for a while. Is data that we get from, let's say, Q4 of this year, can we do anything with that? Does that mean, is that representative of a Q4 in general? Is that representative of a new normal? It's really hard to know at this point. For us, what would be the one or two things that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Yeah, I would say the, the, the first thing, and I think this is probably the most important, is to just be empathetic right now. I think that a lot of the communities that are being disproportionately hit with COVID-19 issues, it's happening not because of bad choices. It's because of systemic issues that have been long held in, in our community, and we need to be supportive there, not upset. The second thing, more toward the financial side and the business side, would be to recognize that this is going to create opportunity. There are going to be entire new businesses, industries that are going to spin out of this. And if you've been looking for that time to start a business, there is now is a great time. There's going to be opportunities. There's going to be gaps in the market. There's people that are interested in helping. I know a lot of retired CEOs and that are really looking at that. And there's funding out there. And you just have to be willing to move forward. My guest today is Forrest Richter. If you would like to reach him, you can go to Forrest at freshcoastlabs.com. And if we've had a few little glitches with our um, Zooming today, we're all working from home, but our intent is that we have made a difference in your lives. And Forrest, thank you for being a guest. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to our COVID-19 edition of Money Sense. Our goal is to provide valuable information so that you can feel more confident in your financial decisions. You can listen to this show and any that you may have missed at ellenbecker.com slash money sense or on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. To discuss these topics and more with one of our wealth advisors, call us at 262 691 3200 or visit ellenbecker.com for a complimentary consultation.